Welcome to the Hannah Miller Show. And here she is, Hannah Miller. Outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian, this is Hannah Miller, and this is what happened this week. So, first of all, the FDA gave emergency approval for the use of the Pfizer vaccine in children between the ages of 5 and 11. This, of course, is in hopes of bringing the fatality rate for this age group down from statistically zero to statistically zero. By the way, for every COVID death per million prevented by the vaccine, there are over 100 cases of myocarditis detected. This is based off of data gathered from a meeting briefing document from the Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee meeting earlier this week at the FDA. So that's just all of you to put in your pocket. This is absolutely absurd that any parent would think that they should roll their child out there. And the other thing about this is that let's let's recall why everybody says we have to get the vaccine. Remember, it's, well, first of all, it was because it was, you know, going to stop COVID. But of course, that became quickly evident that it didn't do that, uh, that people were still getting COVID and it wasn't like a normal vaccine, which puts a stop to the transmission of a virus. So the transmission is still happening. But everybody was like, well, you have to get it because what about the, the, the elderly and those who have a compromised immune systems who can't get the vaccine? See, that's the argument that everybody, uh, the lots of folks always make is that you have to get the vaccine because it's a favor to, you know, those who can't get the vaccine so we can protect those folks. And this is, this is what they say about children, because you most everybody knows, like, children, even if they get COVID, it's a lot of times the sniffles for them. It's very, very minor in children, very low risk for children. So they say, well, what happens when they go home and they could give it to grandma and, and papa? And we have to think about those folks. And, and so we have to give children the vaccine because we're protecting grandma and grandpa at home when those children get home from, the, from school. And to that I say, but the vaccine doesn't stop transmission. Even the CDC director has said that, Rochelle Walensky. She, she has said it doesn't stop transmission. And so if the whole point of vaccinating children is in order to stop them from spreading it to the vulnerable at home, this is all a sham. It's all about control. So moving on to the next story. I intentionally avoided reporting on this story last week because I knew when it happened, it was happened too closely to when this podcast had to be published and there was just going to be too many details yet to be uncovered and I wouldn't fully be able to speak to the issue without more information, so I decided to wait. Well, a week has gone by and we still don't have all the answers, but we have more information than we had last weekend, so I'm going to at least bring us all up to speed with where things are now, and add a little bit of commentary. So last Thursday, October 21st, Alec Baldwin, who's an outspoken Hollywood political activist, shot and killed his cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, on the set of Rust in New Mexico. Early press reports characterized the incident as a prop, property department, gun misfire, immediately establishing the all-too-familiar liberal narrative suggesting that the shooter was innocent while the gun or safety procedures were at fault. As reporting escalated, the story changed to blame the assistant director, who reportedly handed Baldwin a, quote, cold gun, 
with a hot round. Then the conversation turned to the set armorer, with some reports blaming her. This was one of those things I wanted more information on when the story first broke. I wanted to know who was responsible for weapons on set. I knew there had to be somebody. Uh, Well, apparently that's the armorer. They are supposed to ensure firearm safety on location. So then my question became, who was the armorer? And what do they have to say about this? Well, it's been over a week, and as far as I know, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the armorer, has not made any statements. Back to the story, though. Baldwin apparently fired the gun while practicing or rehearsing for the next take. So far, there is no discussion of what kind of gun training is required for actors like Baldwin before they're allowed to handle weapons on set. And that's something that I would like to know as well. I mean, if these guys are, you know, they're handling weapons, they should have some sort of training, I would think. Uh, There is no filmed record of the shooting either, or so we're told. I find that a little bit hard to believe that there wasn't a single camera rolling at that moment, but maybe not. I'm not overly familiar with Hollywood movie sets, so uh, we'll just take them at their word with that right now. So press reporting, though, doesn't explain why real weapons and live ammunition are required to film yet another, quote, horse opera, as one commentator put it. Look, a a true cowboy prop gun would be a reproduction revolver, not a lethal weapon. Look, this is the 21st century. We're able to 3D print everything from a toilet flapper for your mom's guest bathroom commode to rocket ship parts. What in the world was a real weapon doing on this set? This was not a prop gun. This was a real, live weapon that no untrained person should have been handling. Full stop. I'm just not sure why Hollywood, of all places, is allowing untrained persons to handle lethal weapons on a movie set when Amazon carries plastic ones that would fool anybody. I mean, that's just the reality. And that's my point here. There's, we, you could easily purchase right off of Amazon, probably down at Walmart, a gun that would pass for a real weapon in a movie. That's just plastic, though. Another issue I have with this story is the polite phrasing used in the press coverage of this whole story. Alec Baldwin is a press darling, a Hollywood activist. He's an acerbic liberal. And given what we know about the shooting, the most generous assessment possible of the Hutchins tragedy is negligent homicide. Alas, if you pull the trigger, you are ultimately responsible for the bullet. That's what those of us who, on the conservative side, every time a school shooting happens, every time one of these, we, we say it's not the guns because everybody wants to say, well, we got to ban guns from school. We have, we have to have gun-free zones. And our point is always, look, it's not the gun. It's the person who pulls the trigger who's responsible. So let's dive into why a little bit, why I would say, even in this situation, that Alec Baldwin is responsible, at least to some degree. A kid who's been through a basic NRA gun safety course knows the difference between a live round and a blank. A bullet does not look like a blank, okay? Adults know the difference between a hot and cold gun, too. And and by that, I mean a gun that's not loaded, doesn't have live rounds in it, versus a gun uh, that does have live rounds. I mean, uh, you know, adults, they know that there's a difference between a gun that's got a live round in it, a actual, you know, gun... A gun that actually has bullets in it versus a gun that doesn't. Especially a revolver, okay, where ammunition is clearly visible. 
even without spinning the cylinder. On this point alone, Baldwin was negligent. Look, I have shot revolvers before, plenty of times. This level of negligence is appalling. With a revolver, you don't have to even open the chamber or release a clip to see if it's loaded. You just have to glance down. What was he doing pulling the trigger on a weapon without at least giving a cursory glance, which would have been sufficient, at the wheel of the revolver? He's got to glance down, and you can see on the sides there if, there's, if it's loaded or not. Even if there was only one bullet in it, you could still see. Bubba in the double-wide next door knows to check a weapon before and after using it, okay? I mean, and these, these are all just things that anybody with any kind of very, very, very basic training would know and would have been taught in a class, okay? You check a weapon before you use it. You check a weapon after you use it. When I got my first BB gun as a child, I was taught that you never point a gun, whether you think it's loaded or not, at somebody or something you don't intend to shoot. And that was a BB gun. That was a BB gun. Which, you know, maybe you could shoot your eye out with, but that's about it. (laughs) And even a novice knows that you don't pull the trigger for fun or practice on an empty gun. Dropping the hammer on an empty chamber can damage the gun and make it unsafe. Again, all of these things... Basic gun safety that even the most newbie of newbies would be taught. Surely Alec Baldwin, who has been in multiple movies, and multiple movies, I don't even know how many because I'm not a huge fan of the guy. I don't know how know how many movies, but action flicks where he would have to handle weapons like this. Ultimately, the man with his finger on the trigger is responsible for any gun misfire or accident. A single action revolver must be cocked to fire, a deliberate act. Calling Baldwin's negligence a misfire is another example of fake news. It's just a lame attempt to blame the inanimate object and exonerate the culprit. People do evil, not inanimate objects. Humans just use inanimate objects for evil. Money, guns, knives, drugs, alcohol, tobacco, fast cars, even the internet isn't an evil thing on its own. None of these things are evil without the influence of an evil or negligent human being, okay? Sadly, going back to Alec Baldwin, given what we know about liberal politics, Hollywood mores, and celebrity social accountability these days, the Hutchins family may get compensation, but in the end, will no doubt see little justice. And for that, I'm sorry, because I think Alec Baldwin should be held accountable for this. And I think it should be a warning to all of Hollywood that they need to be better training those on set because he was either trained and excessively negligent in which he really should be held accountable for or Hollywood is absolutely failing in training folks on how to handle weapons on set and it should be a warning to all of them. Hi, this is Bob of Bob Sloan Audio Productions. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast yourself? Do you have a desire to communicate an idea, opinion, or even a hobby or interest you'd like to share with the world? And do you have the communication skill and dedication? If so, let's talk. Send an email and a short description of your idea to bob at bobsloan.com. That's bob at b-o-b-s-l-o-n-e dot com. Now let's get back to the podcast. 
All right, so I want to switch gears now after the break and talk about some other stories that just, I got up one morning this week and it was just story after story after story and it was unreal. So this is the first one that all have to do with the same thing. Um, the first one was that part of a Kentucky high school's homecoming events are now under investigation after shocking photos showed scantily clad students giving lap dances to faculty and staff. So incredibly, the pictures of the, quote, man pageant and, quote, costume day were posted by the Hazard High School's own athletics department. Principal Donald Mobellini is among those shown receiving a lap dance. He is also mayor of Hazard. And then I've heard the story's going to get worse with him, that there might be some priors, but I don't know all the details on the priors. I think it has to do with um, allowing young people, underage children, to, you know, high schoolers to have alcohol and tobacco. Uh, that's what I've heard. I haven't had uh, it, but I haven't had it verified yet. But I do know there's priors with in the case of the mayor. I'm just not sure exactly what the details are. All of them are yet. So be on the lookout for that. But here's a little more of the story. Other photos on the athletics page that also were later taken down showed female students dressed up in Hooters outfits and serving what appears to be alcohol. I'm sure it was actually fake alcohol. Surely, surely they didn't have real alcohol uh, beer in the cups, but they were serving what appeared to be or was supposed to be kind of a fake beer to the staff and students and staff appearing to spank one another as well. Mobellini, the principal and mayor, did not immediately return a request for comment on Wednesday. And then Sandra Combs, the superintendent of Hazard Independent Schools, told the Courier-Journal the district has a tradition of excellence in academics and everything we do, but the incident is being investigated, and once the investigation is complete, appropriate action will be taken. So she went on to say that the activities were part of homeschool, homecoming festivities and were driven by the students. And then she said, we strive to foster creativity in our students. But unfortunately, this time it was carried too far. First of all, we're driven by the students. Who was like, you know, I mean, was there no oversight whatsoever? I mean, because that sounds like the students are in charge of kind of what homecoming looks like. So was there no adult in the room at all to say this is not a good idea? You know, maybe we should redirect into another direction with this. Apparently not. Or if there was an adult in the room, they're highly immature themselves. Or a pervert. Either one. But then she said, she finished by saying, there's never been any issue raised prior to this year. Now that an issue has arisen, we're taking this opportunity to review policy and procedures to make sure, certain that it does not happen again. But again, I think because of there's priors with the, the mayor, the principal, uh, there's, which again, I'm not exactly sure what all the details are yet. I just heard, I read one report that said it had to do with allowing underage students to have alcohol and tobacco. Um, so that was just the one report though. Um, but the, I'm, I'm assuming something, I hope something happens with the, with this, the mayor and the principal. Uh, this is not a person that I believe should be involved with children. And then you've got pictures from that day where, you know, you've got boys dressed in lingerie giving him a lap dance and he's just laughing. And then some mom came forward afterward and said, well, you can't, you know, this isn't the full context. The teachers and staff and faculty, they were, they were trying to push the students away and, and stop them and, and that kind of thing. Not enough. Not good enough. This should have never happened. 
And this is one of those things, too, where I immediately shared it on my social media. And I don't usually do that because I'm usually say, well, I think we need a little bit. I want a little bit more information. I want a little bit more context. There is no context in which these pictures and what happened here was ever appropriate. Girls walking in with what appears to be beer in mugs, dressed in hooter costumes, and boys in lingerie giving lap dances to the staff and teachers, and then getting spanked, like a a sexualized spanking here by teachers and staff. There's no context in which that's appropriate. This story broke the same day as uh, another story, which is that school board member Sarah Leonardo, Leonardi, I'm sorry, tweeted out, I was so honored to be invited to chaperone Wilton Manor's elementary school's field trip to the Incredible Rosies. The students and I had a fun walkover and learned a lot about our community. A huge thank you to at Rosie and B, B and G for hosting this special field trip every year. This field trip was to a bar and not just any bar, a gay bar. One with menu items titled Naked Sweaty Lovin', Young Ranch Hand, Ivana Hooker, and The Big Dripper Rap. Look, schools don't need to be taking kids to a bar. Period. But then to take them to a gay bar? Which apparently is an annual field trip for this school, and the kids had permission slips from their parents. Why must we baptize our children in sex everywhere they go? You want to talk about safe space? Let's ask ourselves where a safe space is for our children to go that isn't saturated in sex. Movies? No. Music? No. Television? No. Video games? No. The school library? No. Class? No. Field trips? No. Heck, our kids can't even drive down the road without being inundated by billboards covered in sexuality. They can't go to the bathroom without getting Planned Parenthood flyers about how to have safe sex when they're eight. The two spaces the average American child spends most of their time, public school and the internet, both doing their best to groom our children to be vulnerable to the sexual perversions of adults. It's reprehensible. And for all those saying to yourselves right now, well, that will never happen in our little country school. Yeah, public schools are a problem, but not my school. Hazard, Kentucky has a population of 4,660 and is 8 square miles. Wilton Manors, Florida, has a population of 12,748 and is just over two square miles. School board elections are this coming week all across the country. If you won't pull your kids out of public school, for goodness sake, educate yourself on the candidates and go vote. And even if you do homeschool, educate yourself and go vote. Even better, if you won't homeschool, run for school board. And even if you're a homeschooler, run. Attend school board meetings. Pay attention. Get involved. And I'll close with this. As my producer said to me, vote like your child's life depends on it, because it does. Thank you for listening to The Hannah Miller Show. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah or to schedule her for a speaking event, go to her website, thehannahmillershow.com.